everybody, David Chang here, founder of The Art of Thinking Smart. I'm very excited and glad you can join me for my very first podcast uh, for The Art of Thinking Smart, and I look forward to doing many more. And uh, I'm very grateful for many of you that have been very supportive. Um, I started the blog about two years ago and currently write for a couple papers on a weekly basis and some magazines uh, nationwide as well as internationally. And I-, I really enjoy doing this, and I have a passion for helping people. And like the title of the blog is, Helping People learn the art of thinking smart, thinking smarter. And so I want to talk about this first podcast on why I started this, how it could help you, and why you should care. And the good place to start first is a little bit about myself. Uh, first, I am a second generation Korean American immigrant. So my parents, both my mother and father, immigrated to the United States, so their first generation. I was born in Sacramento, California, my sister in LA. And growing up, we didn't have much. It was tough. Um, many immigrant families have this, you know, story about having to work hard. English is a second language. Even for me, even though I was born in the States, I, we spoke Korean at home and that was the first language I learned. And I had a very loving parents, very supportive parents, and one that really drilled into me the values that I have today that are very important. And one of those values um, is to be very thankful and grateful for the opportunities that I have, um, especially coming to the United States, uh, pursuing the American dream. Uh, If you know a little bit about history, there was a Korean War. It's called the Forgotten War because not many people remember it. It was in between the Vietnam War and World War II, 1950 to 1953. Uh, I know in the news we're seeing North Korea, Kim Jong-un, who's the grandson of Kim Il-sung that founded North Korea, a modern-day North Korea for that matter. And, and you know, they had their nuclear weapons. They're going crazy out there. And And really, right after the war, South and North Korea was one of the poorest countries um, in the world. And now South Korea, especially North Korea is still pretty much there. It's a, it's a wealthier country. But when my parents were growing up, there wasn't much there. So they came to the United States for, you know, uh, for, to pursue the American dream and for us, uh, um, their, their children. And the biggest thing they always said was education. It's very important. Um, sometimes you see stories of tiger moms. And, and if you don't know what it means, it's kind of a slang term for Asian mothers who are very hard on their children because they want them to be perfect, excel. Um, you know, I didn't have a tiger mom that, that was, you know, very, very extreme. I had a mother that was strict to make sure that I did the right things. And, and growing up, I'm very grateful for that. And so growing up, my parents, because education was so important, they worked really hard. My father, especially almost 16 to 18 hours a day. He actually had a motorcycle business and, and, he, and he, um, he was very successful later on in his life. And doing that and moved into an area where they were the best schools. That's uh, what we see a lot of immigrant families try to do. And growing up, a lot of my friends, you know, they came from well-to-do families and, and, I, and I didn't uh, um, at that point. And I was always interested when I was young is what does it take to be successful? What does it take to, uh, and success is defined in many terms, and I'll be talking about that uh, over the course of the podcast and, and some of the programs that I'm having, is we define success in certain ways, and what is it, and, and how do you get there? And 
And one of the things that I had was an intense desire to succeed. You know, a lot of my friends' fathers were business owners, successful ones, executives for large companies. Uh, they were lawyers, doctors. And, and you know, I, I saw that and I figured, well, what is it that, that I can do? Um, and without, you know, going into all the history, um, I, I knew early on that Really, you have to learn to think smart. Now, now I want to be clear that sometimes people say, well, I'm not book smart or I don't have street smarts or people smarts. And I'm not talking about those type of smarts. That's a little bit, little bit later down the line. But the smarts that I'm talking about is thinking smart is able to learn quickly, able to retain the knowledge uh, and, and be able to implement it. And the reason I call it the art is like a martial art. Um, I took Taekwondo growing up. It's a Korean one. And I mean, almost every Korean has to do it growing up. And you learn these moves in martial arts. And when it comes to sparring, when it comes to fighting, it's not, you know, you just practice just like, you know, normal practice. You actually see the moves and you employ the moves at the right time based upon the environment you're in and what your opponent is doing. That's what Thinky Smart is about. It's about everybody learning as much as they can in, in whatever industry that they're in. They learn the principles, which I'll be talking about, and they take these principles and regardless of what industry they're in, what profession they're in, what sector they're in, they're able to employ these uh, um these uh, these uh, principles um, and be successful at it. And I'm going to give you an example why. So growing up, and this is kind of uh, odd, my nickname was actually Tyson. It was after Mike Tyson, right? The why is it, uh, an Asian kid, um, you know, uh, called Tyson? And then, you know, I wasn't a boxer or anything like that. But but long story short, uh, you know, Mike Tyson, when, you know, in the early, in the mid 80s, right? I was uh, six, seven at the time. Uh, he had that missing front tooth. And, you know, I, I, he was actually my favorite boxer. And, and, and Mike Tyson at the age of 20 was the youngest world heavyweight champion of the world. And um, I had my front tooth missing as well because my, my permanent teeth didn't grow in. And, and when I was small, I had a nose that looked like Tyson's. That's what everyone said. So with my missing front tooth and nose like Tyson and, and kind of my eyes that kind of look like his too, they call me Tyson, especially at my church. And I remember one time they said, Tyson, Tyson, come here. Um, we want you to go, you know, punch this guy in the stomach just to see how good you're a boxer. And I didn't know any better. And the guy actually told me, hey, go ahead and do it. I dare you to do it. I bet you can't do it. And I did it with all my might and I caused a guy to cry. And he was 10 years older than me. And I still kind of remember to this day. But, but I bring that story up is because, you know, my nickname was Tyson. And I, at the time, really respected the guy. Now let's look at his life for a little bit. You, you know, he's kind of had a little comeback recently with the uh, hangover series and all that. But, if you followed his career, he was one of the most successful boxers and, and arguably, you know, up there with Muhammad Ali as one of the best boxers of all time. He, by many accounts, made close to $400 million in his life. $400 million. That's a lot of money. And if you've also followed him, you know that he declared bankruptcy as well. And you're thinking to yourself, how does that can be? You make $400 million and you're declaring bankruptcy? What is that? And just to kind of see without going into so much of his details, he spent so much money. He even bought these Bengal tigers for a quarter million dollars, right? And it costs another $125,000 a year just to take care of these Bengal tigers. He had mansions, cars. He had a very costly divorce. When he declared bankruptcy in 2003, 
Um, he owed, you know, I think $9 million for his divorce settlement, $13 million to the IRS, and he had, you know, uh, debts of $27 million plus and everything like that. And so you're like, oh my goodness, how can that be? And, and not just him. There are other, you know, famous people, athletes, that made lots of money and then just lost it all. Uh, we know Michael Vick, you know, he, he uh, had a $3 million signing bonus to sign the Eagles and then he lost everything with this, you know, dog uh, fighting thing, which was very unfortunate. Um, you know, when I look at, you know, um, there was this one football player who he did, he wanted to fly alone. So what he did was he actually rented out the entire plane, right? He bought tickets for the entire plane, a couple hundred seats or whatever, just so he could fly alone. I mean, that's how he was. That's how much money he wasted. Now, let's look at even some lottery winners. So we have lottery winners that got very, very lucky, you know, made tons of money. But then, you know what? They lost it all. We have one guy. Uh, um, their, their name is um, Bud Post. He made $16.2 million in the 1988 uh, lottery. But then within one year, he was already $1 million in debt. He had a former girlfriend suing for the share of the winnings. His brother, right? This guy's brother was arrested for hiring a hitman to kill him, kill him in the hopes he'd inherit the share of the winnings. It, it, that's terrible. I mean, money could do such terrible things. Uh, we have another person, Terabasi Sharon in 2004. Was on welfare, welfare, one lottery, 10.6 million uh, Canadian dollars. And then she says she spent money on big house, fancy cars, designer clothes, lavish parties, exotic trips, handouts to family, loans and friends. And right now, in less than a decade, she's, you know, back riding the bus, working part time, living in a rented house. And you know what? Almost lost everything. So I look at that and thinking, man, these guys made so much money. They had opportunities that 99.99% people in this world will never have. And they wasted it away. And, and I, when I see that, I'm always kind of saddened by that to say, wow, you, you know, they're blessed with this opportunity with money or if you're an athlete with this professional skill and then all of a sudden, you know, it, it kind of goes to waste. And that's what part of thinking smart for me was, was that, and I learned this, that regardless of how much money you make, how good your skills are, if you don't have the ability to think smart and have the smart mindset, it doesn't matter. Where, where your income and money comes in, it's your mindset that keeps you there. If your mindset is still of one that's unable to handle their money, it doesn't matter if you have all the money in the world, you will still have none at the end. And that's one of the things that I learned. And, and also part of thinking smart is, you know, always looking to improve, looking to succeed. And when I was in the fifth grade, I, I studied a lot of history. And one of my, uh, you know, favorite things to study were the generals of the United States. You had Civil War, Grant, you have Lee. For World War II, you had uh, 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 General Patton, Eisenhower, MacArthur. And for me, I studied them and I said, wow, those were successful people. Eisenhower and Grant were presidents and all of them had one thing in common. They graduated from West Point. So when I was in the fifth grade, I said, I am going to graduate from West Point. And, and I did. 
Uh, very blessed to do so. It, it was an excellent experience. Uh, proud to serve my country, and I still do. And um, after graduating from West Point, you know, I learned a lot of great leadership skills. I do believe it's one of the finest leadership institutions in the world. Uh, founded in 1802, I graduated 2002, so the bicentennial class. I served my time um, in combat in Iraq. Uh, serving your country, and I'm very grateful for those that uh, wore the uniform and continue to wear the uniform. I got out um, active duty uh, to join the private sector, but I'm still in the Hawaii Army National Guard, which, uh, again, uh, I'm very uh, proud to be a member of. And when I got into business, I first started a wealth management company, and I have a very entrepreneurial spirit. So I started some uh, real estate development company, Green Energy, um, even some import exports. Um, even now, you know, uh, writing for um, some large papers and and, and doing this blog. Um, I also decided to get into politics. And after running for office, came 500 vote, votes short of beating an incumbent that was a chair of a major committee, and and. Uh, it really, you know, whet my appetite. I've always been very interested in politics and, um, I became chair of a major political party. Um, and at the time was the youngest in the country and also the first Korean American to do so. I've also been involved in many, uh, uh, you know, nonprofit organizations on the board of directors, uh, with, uh, with even some churches. Um, I also, you know, dabbled in music, cutting, uh, my own CD. And, and I'm telling you all of this not to brag, but to just show that my unique experiences um, have given me kind of this prism to look at of what is it that makes people successful because I've seen successful people in business in the military in politics in the nonprofit world and, and even in the wealth management world uh, I won a couple of awards uh, a business leader of the year in 2010 um, in Hawaii from uh, Pacific Business News, a Young Professional of the Year, and, and a whole slew of awards, uh, the Five Star Wealth Manager Award, and being in Forbes for um, uh, uh, for my wealth management company. And so I have this strong passion for business, and and what I found is I had a passion for helping people. And uh, you know, some people may think that they have an aptitude. You have to have an aptitude. You have to be born to be a leader or a good entrepreneur. And I say actually that's not true. Some people it is easier because of the personality, but. Anyone can be developed to be a good entrepreneur, to be a good leader, to be a good, uh, um, uh, you know, a business person, politician. Um, again, it, it, it's something that outstanding leaders are made. They're, they're not born, right? And so I learned this through my successes and also my failures. And I'll tell you this. I learned more through my failures than anything else. Because you do learn some bad habits through success. You stumble into success and you try to replicate and you realize, oh, you know what? I just got lucky at that time. And there's a book called Great by Choice that talks about it. You know, you want to shoot bullets, then cannonballs. You don't want to throw all your resources into just kind of aiming for the best. You want to be very uh, empirical about it. And so part of that was, okay, now that I've been exposed to all these different industries, all of these different sectors, and I've been mentored by generals, top CEOs, even, you know, President of the United States. I got to spend some time with, uh, uh, with a, a U.S. former president. Um, and, and all across, I've been very blessed. And I've also been very, um, active about seeking out mentors, very active about finding what I can do to better myself. And that's part of what I want to help people with. And so part of, you know, uh, part of thinking smart is not just, you know, 
you know, you think smart, that's it. It's able to sustain it. And this is what I mean. In the wealth management industry, I've been in it for quite a few times, uh, quite a few years. I've been investing since I was 14 years old. Another one of the things I learned that, you know, in the mid-90s, people were becoming wealthy through investing. And, and I uh, started dabbling in it and I learned a tremendous amount. And we have a saying that the first generation will earn the money. The second generation will maintain it. But the third generation tends to spend and lose it all. Right. Why is that? It's because the first generation had that mindset of being able to earn it. The second probably saw their parents work very hard and saw that it wasn't easy to get it. And so they, you know, maybe they may not have spent it all, but they maintained it. But the third generation that never probably grew up with the mindset of how hard it is that sometimes we have to work, that, you know, nothing in life is for free. Life isn't fair at times. So we have to just continue to be resilient, move forward. If they don't have that mindset, they lose it all. And so just like weight loss, Right. Sometimes I think losing weight is the easy part. It's keeping it off. That's the most difficult thing. That's the same thing with thinking smart. It's the same thing with wealth management. People that I've worked with literally, literally thousands of clients when it comes to finances and you're able to see. On my first meeting, in the first 30 seconds to a minute, I can tell what type of money mindset that they have. And and I go in-depth on this on artofsmartmoney.com, art of smart money, of what it means to be wealthy and financially independent. And so if you want to sustain your success, like I said, you know, you cannot, your income won't keep you where your mindset, your mindset is the one that has to keep you there, right? And so... I call it SMART. Why do I call it SMART? And I use kind of this double acronym uh, to make things a little bit easier for me. So SMART, S-M-A-R-T. And the first thing that I found, for people who want to become smart, the first thing that you have to do, the S, is start. You have to commit to getting started. Many people say, well, I'll get started tomorrow. They procrastinate. And by the time it happens, you know what? They never get there. And they may say, oh man, it's too late. I should have been, you know, I should have started in the past. This is what I say for investors. This is what I say for anybody who wants to start becoming a better person, living a smarter life. Is that yes, the best time to invest, the best time to start thinking smart may have been yesterday. But the second best time is today. You already missed out yesterday. So the second best time is today. So you want to start and you want to commit to it. Meaning, I'm not going to just kind of take it lightly. I'm going to commit to being smart. I'm going to be talking about that later for the podcast and uh, through some of um, the articles that I write and some books and ebooks that I have coming out. The second M, mindset. You have to change your mindset. And I've talked about this before, right? Your mindset is really the basis. It's a solid foundation. If you have a weak mindset, Right, you have a mindset that's not prepared for the successes that you have. You're not going to be kept there. I talked about the lottery winners. Now, here's another example. They, there's a countless uh, a janitors, school teachers that you know they over time they saved and they left millions of dollars to the school or the church or the community that they worked with. They they made on average forty to fifty thousand a year. I think sometimes even less than that. How is it they became millionaires? And we had Mike Tyson, Mitch which made 400 million, you know, lose it all is because it's the mindset. If you have the right mindset, right? It doesn't matter what happens to you. You will become successful because you're able to deal with whatever comes your way. And part of this mindset is, you know, your why. And I'll be going over that um, in upcoming podcasts. If you know your why, why you do things, right? What motivates you? You know, why, why do you do what you do, right? If you know your why, 
It doesn't matter what you, the what or how is because you'll be able to handle everything. If you don't know your why and you're doing it only for money or if you're doing it for the wrong reasons, right, you're not going to last that long in that case. That's why mindset is so important. All right, the A, right, so S-M-A for smart, A is action. Words with that action is meaningless, right? I know a lot of people who talk the story, they talk the talk, they walk the walk, but but they don't actually do what they say or they they take action. Uh, like I'm gonna bring up martial arts. I love martial arts. I love watching Jet Li, you know, Jackie Chan movies, and 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 they're great. I could watch all of those movies, but if I don't actually practice it, right? If I don't actually go out there and do it and implement and use it. It doesn't matter. I'm not going to be a good um, uh, a martial artist. Some of the martial artists who've never studied, but they've actually you know, practiced it, are going to be better than people who studied for a lifetime but never actually used it. So you have to act upon it. You're, you're committing to get started. You have the mindset. And now that you know what you need to do, you go ahead and act upon it. R, right, for smart in R is results. You need to follow through and finish to get the results. And and I know a lot of people who um, who start things, right? They'll act upon it, but they'll never finish it. And that's a problem. And in the military, I had a special forces uh, colonel tell me his mantra life is follow up, follow up, follow up. Is you follow up in everything that you do and you get results. That's the important thing. Now, one uh, uh, piece of advice I learned is that Success in many cases in business for uh, for a lot of people, um, whether it be politics, whether it be any organization, success is based on measurable statistics. What does that mean? How do I know I got results? If it's going to be, let's just say, for this podcast, how do I know this podcast is successful? It's because how many people downloaded it, how many people listened to it, maybe how many people went to my site and signed up for a newsletter, right? There's metrics. You have to have results and with metrics. If it's not measurable, Right. It doesn't exist unless it's spiritual or characteristic. That's a separate story. But for many cases of business profession in what we do, we have to measure it. Right. And, and you cannot measure it. Right. If you don't know what the standard is. So part of getting results is knowing what your metrics are. And we'll talk about that on, on how to find those metrics. And the last thing is T transform. You want to get feedback, right? To get better and transform your life. So it's a big circle. Right after you get the results and the army, we call an AAR, and I do the same thing for uh, the the for for my company as CEO. AAR means after action review. That means is after the project is done, after the action or exercise completed, we all get together and we look at okay, what happened? Right? Were there any problems that came up? What is it that we need to sustain? Meaning we did a good job. We continue. What were the issues that came up? Right. And what are the recommendations and how are we going to implement them? Right. So even if you get the same thing results, if you don't change anything, you're not going to get any better. You know, there's that quote, the definition of insanity is trying to do the same things over and over again and expect the different results. So the key thing is, is that if you want to get better, if you want to think smarter, right, you have to continue to get better. In order for you to continue to get better, you need to go through that habit of getting feedback looking at the results, seeing what you can do better, and then you implement it because you have to transform, right? It's not, what I've seen is very successful people are transformational leaders. They are the ones who have taken to the next level. And and they didn't get there just by waking up one morning saying, hey, I'm going to do this. They actually took these steps. They committed to get started, the S. They got the smart mindset, 
the M. They took action and continued on. Even if they failed, they got right back up and continued on the A. The R, they got the results, right? Even if it wasn't what they wanted, they know what the results were. They were able to measure it. And then they implemented what was changed, right? What they needed to change to transform. The other SMART acronym that I use, SMART, is specific, S, measurable, achievable, relevant, time-based. And many of you have seen this is very common when it comes to goals. So goals, when we talk about SMART goals, you want to be specific. This is the same thing about SMART thinking, right? What is it that you want to become smarter at, right? If it, if it's general, it's very difficult, like a business, right? If you're just going to say, I want to make lots of money and I'm just going to go into, you know, the finance field right? Well, the, the successful people are those that are specific. They know, you know what, I am going to um, be specific and I'm going to cater to doctors or if they're going to be an online, if I'm going to, instead of I'm just going to appeal to everybody, I'm going to appeal to fitness people or those that want to make money online. They're specific about it and, and they're able to find that niche. Measurable M, we talked about it. You got to measure it. How do you know if you met your goal? How do you know if you are thinking smart? How do you know you became successful? A, achieve this is important. What it means is that if you say, you know what, for example, uh, I want to think smart and I want to uh, be able to memorize, you know, the entire uh, um, uh, encyclopedia in one day, right? That's not achievable. It, it just won't work. So you want to have goals. You want to have milestones that are achievable. Not too easy though, right? What uh, one business guy calls it BHAGs, B-H-A-G big, hairy, audacious goals. You want them to be big and hairy enough that it really stretches you, but you also want them to be achievable because if they're not, you'll get discouraged and you'll fall by the wayside. R, relevant. This means if you want to think smart, if you want to you know, set goals, you want it to be relevant to what you're doing. If I say my main goal and think you're smart is to do this blog, then all of a sudden I have these goals of you know being a professional tennis player and I waste time over there. It, you know what? It, it wasn't relative to what I needed to do, what my skill set is and my strength is. T, time-based. This is very important. Time horizon. You want to have a time set up with it. If you just say, for example, I want to lose weight and you say, I just want to lose 10 pounds. Well, when? Right? It's specific enough. It's measurable. I'm sure it's achievable and relevant if that you want to become healthier. But you have to say, is it within six months? Whether in a year? Whether in three months? Right? If you say one week, you know what? That's very unhealthy. And again, that in my opinion is not achievable. So I use those terms smart. So when I ever say, you know, you know, the smart thinking, uh, smart leadership, smart finance, smart money, uh, living smart, uh, I, I have that, you know, triple meaning. Smart, being intelligent, right? That's what it actually means. It means to be intelligent, to learn things quickly, right? And then also, I am meaning, you know, the smart process that I talked about. Starting, mindset, action, results, transformation. And then also, smart as in being specific, measurable, achievable, relevant, and time-based. And all this here, you can go to um, the resources page, and the um, start here. So this first podcast, I have it on the start here page of uh, my blog, the art or art of thinkysmart.com. And so um, that's the key thing. So what does this mean to you? I've kind of defined where smart is. The thing is, is I want each and every one of you to start thinking smart. If it, and here's one thing I look at. 2008 crisis, it really hurt the world. In the United States, it hurt me. It hurt, I'm sure, many of you and your family. And that's the nature of it. But the reason, how do we get there? 
we can blame bankers, we can blame finance guys, people like Bernie Madoff and all that. But the way I look at it is that all of us are partially to blame. A lot of people weren't thinking smart. They were borrowing more than they could afford. Uh, they weren't making wise decisions with their money. Now, granted, maybe some were being baited in and stuff like that. But if everyone in the world thinks smarter, right, then benefits everybody it benefits the world if everybody had the mind of bill gates let's just say oh my goodness you know i i can just imagine that the quality of life in many cases would be better so i believe that it's important everyone to think smart but how do you do it and that's what i have learned throughout the past uh my years of experience in every different leadership position with the military politics and business and so i call it my s6 right in the military, the S6 is a signal guy. It's right, the computer geek. But I call it the S6 because I like acronyms, as you can see, right? It's simple, right? Step-by-step, step, smart systems and solutions. So step-by-step step is two S's, right? So I take that, the S6. So I will be giving through this blog, through the podcast, through some of the products and services, simple, step-by-step, in smart systems and solutions that is easy for you guys to implement and really become smarter, right? It's something basic, you know, we'll be starting about how do you read quicker? How do you memorize things quicker? How do you memorize people's names when, when you go meet them, right? How, are you impressed with people like, wow, that guy remembered my name and I met him once like five months ago, right? There, there are actually ways that you can do it and anyone can do it and I'm going to teach you how to do it. And, and that's the important thing is if you learn to think smarter, right, your quality of life Life goes up significantly and I'm gonna end on what I call the stable tables and how does your quality of life get better and I have found that what I call the stable table right in their four legs there's an outer table and inner table and you want these legs to be balanced so here's what I mean your inner stable table the four legs are your mental emotional physical and spiritual Mental, emotional, physical, and spiritual. And just like the four legs of a table, if one, two of the legs are unbalanced, right, the table is very unstable. If that's the case, you can't put anything on top of it. And that's what our life is like. This is the, it's very important that we have balance on this table. Mentally, we're stimulated. We're thinking smarter, right? Emotionally, right? We're becoming mature. We're able to uh, handle adversity. We don't overreact or underreact to things. Physical, we're in shape and healthy. This is important because we want to become effective and we want to, you know, uh, um, be better at time management, be more efficient. We have to manage our energy, not necessarily our time. But in order to manage your energy, we have to be physically in shape. And then lastly, spiritual. Right. For me, my faith is very important to me. And so as part of my faith, I'm a church going guy. You know, I pray. And uh, for me, that is my why. And for those listeners out there, whatever your spiritual walk is, whatever you choose to do it, the spiritual is important because that really does feed you. So you want the mental, emotional, physical, and spiritual to be balanced out. I know many people who have very strong, maybe physically, but emotionally, mentally, they're a wreck, right? And just because, you know what, maybe physically, they are the best athlete in the world. But if mentally, emotionally, they are not sound, they're going to make mistakes, right? That's what my opinion happened to a lot of athletes out there that became very wealthy quickly. They had the spiritual side. But emotionally, they were maybe a bit immature. Mentally, they didn't have the mindset needed. Now, that was the inner table. The outer table. The outer stable table, right? The four legs. The professional, financial, social, and environmental. The professional, financial, 
social and environmental what do i mean by that okay so each of them are the different legs no matter where we are in this world we have a professional side of us where it's our work right whether even if you work from home even if if you say well you know i stay at home and uh uh and and, and you know at this point i am not working you know what that's still part of your professional the brand that you set across and it's important that we're professional when it comes that we're able to make better decisions if we're in a leadership positions, we are good leaders. If we're in a position of doing a certain job, we do it to our best of our ability. And I'm going to teach you the professional portion of managing your time better, being more effective, being more efficient, how, how to uh, make better decisions in life, um, how to problem solve, how to communicate better. That's all very important for the uh, professional side. And, and that, that's what I'm going to teach you. Next was financial. Again, this is my first love is finances. Uh, I have been in the wealth management industry for a number of years, uh, hundreds of clients, and I've done thousands of plans, and I know what it takes for people to become financially stable. And here's one thing. You could be very good professionally. You could be all good on the inner stable table, and you could have three legs of the outer stable table. But if you're struggling with money, right, it really could ruin everything because if you're going bankrupt, because money is one of the top stressors in our life. In fact, when you look at people divorcing, they found out that divorce, one of the top reasons why is because of finances, right? So I'm going to teach people financial methods so they could become wealthy and financially independent. Third is social. Social is how you deal with relationships, right? So I, um, you know, had higher education degree, master's in political science, master's in theological studies, and I spent a lot of time counseling people at the church, at nonprofits. And I found that there are certain things we can be better husbands, wives, spouses, partners, um, how we deal with people, how do we, uh, um, uh, uh, you know, the relationships that we have. And so I'll be talking about the social aspect of it. The fourth, the environmental. This part of it, yeah, is an environment. We want to take care of the environment. But part of this is also the situation that you're in, right? What is the work environment that you're in? What is your family environment? What is the environment you have in your profession? What is the environment that you have, you know, financially? And so uh, there's a lot that goes into it. And so you have to be able to see what your environment is, Right. Sun Tzu was a very famous general, Chinese general, lived thousands of years ago, and he wrote the book, The Art of War. Right. And very sound thing. And, and he talked about how if you know yourself and you know the enemy, you'll win 100 percent of the time. If you know yourself and not your enemy half the time, if you know your enemy, not yourself, you'll also win half the time. So part of the environment is knowing your surroundings, knowing yourself, knowing your enemy, if you are going up against somebody, an opponent, comp a competition or something like that. And how do you do that? So we talked about how you could think smart, right? Anyone can do it. Anyone can be developed to do it, right? We talk about the two acronyms that you have to start, the mindset, take action, get results, transform, make sure it's specific, Right. You want to make sure it's measurable, achievable, relevant, time based. And then what you want to do is you want to create stable tables. If you create these stable tables, your inner one is a strong mental, emotional, physical and spiritual that's balanced. And the four legs of your outer stable table, professional, financial, social, environmental, you have a very, very strong foundation. When anything comes your way, you know what? Maybe a bump in the road is just a simple obstacle that you'll overcome because you know how to deal with it because you have such a strong, solid foundation. And no matter the how strong the tsunamis or the hurricanes or the winds try to blow you, you're going to be okay. And so this S6 finishing up here, I developed the Xs to help you with smart skills, right? For smart thinking, be more productive, better decisions, problem solve, manage your time and projects better. 
artofsmartmoney.com, how to be wealthy, financially independent, how to even make more money. I'll talk about smart income, how you can generate passive dividend, other forms of income. I'm an entrepreneur, so I know what it takes to be successful. And I also know what to avoid, right? Mistakes that I made. And smart leadership, how to develop your leadership, management, communication, career skills, and more. Everyone, I believe, is a leader, should be a leader. Even if you're the bottom rung, you know what? You're going to be a leader because people will look up to you regardless, right? And then living smart, how to be more fit. Being a West Pointer, I've trained with Special Forces, Army Rangers, Navy SEALs. I've even trained with some Olympic athletes, professional athletes. And so I've really learned about nutrition and fitness, and I want to help you with that. And and being more fit, living with less stress, better relationships with your friends and family. There's things out there. So really, if you want to think smart, be smart, and live smart, then this site's for you. So now that you know the basics, how do you get started? All right, you know, we learn by reading, listening, observing, and doing. So uh, come back, listen to my next podcast coming up. I want you to read. Um, you can go to the Start Here page on art of thinkysmart.com and the resources. And I'm looking forward to building a smarter future with you. And uh, have a good one, and I'll talk to you soon.